Hi, friends. This is Pastor Dan Jackson. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Jacobswell Church. My hope and prayer is that this message will be a blessing to you and lead you into worshiping and enjoying our great and gracious God. With that said, let me encourage you to use this message as a supplement to and not a replacement of a local church. Christ did not establish his church simply for us to consume messages, but so that we could be intimately invested in each other's lives as an authentic covenant community. Again, thank you for listening. And if you want more information about Jacobswell Church, please visit our website at www.jacobswellgb.org. Let's open in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for time to come to your word. Thank you that we get to, to sit in the glory of your creation and consider the creator. Bless us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, as many of you know, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, and there were two highlights to every summer. Uh, the first highlight was the Cardinals winning the World Series because it happened just about every summer. Uh, I know Brewers fans may not be familiar with that feeling, but it's a wonderful feeling. The other great uh, part of summer was the VP Fair. It's called the Veiled Prophet Fair. It's now called Fair St. Louis, but it's the fair that happens over 4th of July. And what happens is for about four days, they bring in big name bands, they have an air show, they have food trucks, they have just a bunch of amazing things that you can do. And the culmination of the VP Fair was the fireworks at the end of the night. And they would float two large barges down the Mississippi River, and they would shoot fireworks off for, I don't know, 60 or 90 minutes. I don't know what it is, but it was for a very long time. And it was very excessive, I might say. But, but it was glorious. It was wonderful. I still remember sitting on the hill in front of the Gateway Arch uh, with the grass tickling my ears, watching the fireworks. When I get up and turn around, I'd see the, 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 the sparkle of the fireworks off of the arch and off of people's faces. And, and it, was, it was wonderful. As kids, we would see the fireworks go up in the air, and my sister and I would sit next to each other, and we'd say, oh, I bet this is going to be a big one, or I bet this is going to be red, or I bet it's going to be the squirrely one, or whatever it might be. But then the fireworks would explode, and we would ooh and ah, and it was glorious, and it was awe-inspiring. But then I grew up, and I became too cool for fireworks. When I was a teenager, I just was not as awe-inspired by them anymore. And so I didn't find it worth the time uh, to go and to watch these extraordinary fireworks because they really didn't excite me anymore. You know, to lose your awe of fireworks is one thing, but it is far worse to lose your awe of God. Maybe you feel that this morning. Maybe at one time you remember just being in awe of the glory of God, the wonder of God, the love of God, but that awe seems like a dim memory. And so if you have lost your awe of God, or if you feel like your awe of God can grow, which I think is true of all of us this morning, God has given us a gift. God has given us Psalm 29 to grow, to expand are all of the glorious God that we worship. And so if you would please turn to Psalm 29. It is page 461 in the Red Bible. If you picked up a Red Bible and you don't own a Bible, that Bible is for you to keep. Please feel free to take it with you. This is our last Sunday in the book of Psalms. In two Sundays, uh, we are going to start our new series in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, looking at the seven letters to the seven churches 
in Revelation. And so that will be our fall sermon series, which we are excited to get into. But today, Psalm 29. If you would look there with me as I read. A Psalm of David. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. How do we grow in our awe of God? Well, as we'll see in today's passage, our awe of God is connected to our comprehension of the glory of God. The more that we can comprehend and behold and wrap our arms around the glory of God, the more our awe of God will swell within us. And so let's look together here at Psalm 92 and see how David helps us grapple the glory of God. First, we see here, David calls us to ascribe the glory to God in worship, to ascribe the glory to God in worship. In verse 1 and 2, we have a picture of transcendent worship. That is, worship that is greater than this world. Worship that is basking in the awe of God. In verse 1, he starts and he says, Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory. To ascribe is to acknowledge the source or author of something, to give credit where credit is due. And so if I were to sing the song to you, Hey Jude, I would ascribe it to the Beatles because they are the first ones to write it and to sing it. They are the originators of it. Here in this psalm, it is saying, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength because it is from God that glory and strength comes. Now, strength we'll get to in later points, but I want to focus in here on glory. What does it mean to ascribe glory to God? This word glory is actually very tricky to define. Does it mean beauty? Yes. Does it, does it mean power? Yes. Does it mean majesty? Yes. Glory, glory really means all of the most wonderful superlatives put into one word. And this psalm starts with David calling out for heavenly beings, for angels, to ascribe glory to God. Now this might seem strange to us that a mere mortal would call out for angels to ascribe glory to God, but did you know we did that earlier this service? As we sang out, praise God from whom all blessings flow, praise him all creatures here below, that we said, praise him above, ye heavenly hosts, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And so Psalm 29 and the doxology that we sang petition 
the angels of heaven to add their deafening voice to the worship of the glory of God. And so David starts by petitioning the angels, but then he also calls to us as well. Verse 2, he says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Give credit where credit is due. And he says, Worship the Lord in the splendor or beauty of holiness. And so here you see in verse 2, there is this link between ascribing to the Lord, giving credit where credit is due, and worshiping the Lord. There's this connection between glory and, 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 and ascribing and worship. In Romans chapter 1, the apostle Paul puts it this way. He says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. They didn't ascribe to him the glory is due. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And then listen very closely to this. He says, and exchange the glory, the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So in other words, instead of ascribing glory to God, they were ascribing the glory God deserves to things that God has created. It continues and says, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. And so the principle that's laid out in Psalm 29 and Romans 1 is that everybody is a worshiper. Everyone is seeking to ascribe glory somewhere. And wherever we seek to ascribe glory, whatever we see to be most glorious is that thing which we will worship. And so the question isn't if you will worship, but it is what or who you will worship. Let me give you an example. I have a friend uh, who many would diagnose as a hoarder. Matter of fact, everyone would diagnose them as a hoarder. They, they collect stuff and stuff and more stuff, so much stuff that it's just filling their home. It's overflowing. Loved ones say to them, hey, why do you have so much stuff? Stop collecting so much stuff. Let us help you get rid of that stuff. But of course, they deny all of these requests because they love their stuff. Their stuff is glorious to them. And not only is their stuff glorious to them, what is also glorious to them is the stuff that they don't yet have that they want. And so they continue to accumulate because they are gathering for themselves glory in their viewpoint. And, and But this person's this person's main problem, their core problem, is not hoarding. Their, their core problem is a glory problem. It is a worship problem. Now, you might be saying, man, I cannot understand why someone would hoard so much stuff. I love to have my, my house nice and clean and tidy. Well, maybe that is because your glory is the glory of a clean house. Maybe you worship a clean house. You see, all of us struggle with this glory thing. We're created to find glory, to behold glory, to worship glory. And so if you're a student, maybe you say in your heart, if only I had these friends or this athletic ability or these grades or this beauty or this girlfriend or that boyfriend, then life would be glorious. Maybe if, as an adult, you say in your heart, if only I had this level of income or this spouse or this house or this lover or this type of job, or if I only had obedient children or a healthy body, then life would be glorious. Let me ask you, what glory do you fantasize about? You see, here's the thing. All of those things we fantasize about, all of those things that we say, if only I had this, then life would be glorious. All of those things do have glory in them. But as we will see in the following verses, all of the glory in this world is derivative. 
meaning that all of the glory in this world comes from a higher source of glory, which is God. And so our problem is not that we want too much glory, but that we want too little glory. We have settled for worshiping and ascribing ultimate glory to created things and to, instead of to the creator of all glorious things. And so if we want our all of God to swell, we have to give credit where credit is due. We must ascribe glory to God as the giver of all glorious things. The second thing is that we must all over the glory of God in creation. In verses 3 through 9, it kind of shows us what it looks like to, to, to see the beauty and the glory of creation and direct it towards God. And so what we will see here is a picture of a thunderstorm, maybe a tropical storm, maybe even a hurricane. I'm not sure, but it's coming in off of the Mediterranean Sea and it's coming through Jerusalem and all of the surrounding countryside. And this is what David writes about here in verse 3 through 9. He says, The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. So he's artistically describing this storm. Verse 5, he says, The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. If you're familiar with the scriptures, you know the cedars of Lebanon are built up as these glorious, huge, amazing trees. These are not the trees that you have in your front yard. It's not like this tree over here. Uh, they weren't necessarily super tall, but they were as wide as 30 to 40 feet. And David says, the voice of the Lord speaking of the wind raging in the storm, the voice of the Lord snaps these cedars like toothpicks. A few weeks ago, Trish and I headed up to northwest Wisconsin, and there was a storm just before we came through, and so there were trees over the road. We actually had to be rerouted, but we would we'd drive through the woods, and you've probably seen this. You're driving, there's forest, 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 then there's, there's just a gap. There's a gap where the wind came through and leveled the trees, either a tornado or some other strong wind. And then we continued, and we went on a hike, and you could see how trees had been blown over, and you could see their roots that were standing vertically, because that is the power of a storm. And this is the power that David is trying to communicate. Verse 6, he continues, he says, He, the Lord, makes Lebanon to skip like a calf, and Syrian, a name for Mount Huron, uh, Hermon, to like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. He's talking about lightning coming down from the sky. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. And so he's talking about Lebanon, which is one corner of the promised land, to Kadesh, which is another corner of the promised land. He's, he's describing the, the vastness of this storm, but also the power of the storm as it shakes the earth. You know, just a few weeks ago, uh, the staff was gathered in the atrium looking out the back window because we saw a storm rolling in. Maybe you saw it as well. I believe there were some tornado touchdowns up north in Swamico. But we were gathered there as if we were watching a Packer game because it was so glorious to behold this storm coming in. And then the rain came in. And I wasn't here for this, but, but one staff member said lightning struck the field behind the church. And, and when you see that thing, it's scary but it's also awesome. It's glorious. It's, a, it's an amazing show. I'm guessing all of you have storm stories. A story where lightning struck close to you and the sound of it was so loud it deafened your ears. All of these storms have a purpose. They have an end, which is to show us the glory of God. Let me, let me show it to you here in this psalm. 
If you notice here in the psalm, something very interesting happens. The psalmist calls the wind the voice of the Lord. He calls the rain the voice of the Lord. He calls lightning the voice of the Lord. He calls pounding thunder the voice of the Lord. Why does he call all these things the voice of the Lord? It's because in the wind, in the rain, in the lightning, in the thunder, God is speaking. Our invisible God is showing you his majestic attributes of power and might and glory. And this is what David is experiencing and the people of God are experiencing. And then we get to verse 9 and it says, The voice of the Lord makes a deer give birth. The storm induces labor and strips the forest bare, clearing it out like a tornado would. And in his temple, all cry, what's the word? Glory. This is a proper response to a thunderstorm for the people of God. You see, everyone sees the glory in the storm. That's why we have the weather channel, right? They see the glory of the storm. But do they hear the voice of God speaking, saying, listen to my power and my majesty and my might. This is the intention of all of creation, but here in a thunderstorm, that it would lead us to recognize and to be in awe of the glory of God. And so let me exhort you, the next time a thunderstorm comes through, you know, typically when thunderstorms come through, we're disappointed because it rains something out or or we don't like rain, or whatever it might be. But the next time a thunderstorm comes through, turn off the TV, turn off the lights, go to a safe place where you can absorb, uh, observe the storm. And, and when you are there, see the storm. Hear the storm. Feel the rumble of the storm. And be in awe of the God of the storm. And cry out, Glory! And so if you want to grow your awe of God, we must ascribe glory to God in worship, but we must also awe over the glory of God in creation, in thunderstorms, or really all of creation. And finally, we must ask for the God of glory in us. Look at verse 10. He says, The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. As David talks about the flood, he is most likely talking about the flood in the days of Noah. And David is, is saying, the Lord who is over the storm today is the Lord who is over the storm in the days of Noah. That storm that came and brought God's just judgment on many wicked people. And he's saying that the God that is God then is the God today. And, and for us, we know that that God is still the God today. And he will be the God forever. Because as the verse goes on, it says that he is enthroned as king forever. And so he is, he, he was, he is, and he is the God. He is always God reigning from his throne. And then verse 11, with this in mind, he makes an ask. And he says, may the Lord give strength to his people. You know, the reason why David asked God for strength for his people, for the people of God, for us, is because we need strength. Because we are very weak people. We are weak in faith. We are weak in charity. We are weak in joy. We are weak in holiness. We are weak in every way a person can be weak. And so David is crying out to God and asking 
For the power of God that fills the storm and empowers the storm to now fill and empower God's people. He is asking for the glory to be given to you and to me for our good and for God's ultimate glory. And then now his final ask. He asks for strength from God. But then he says, may the Lord bless his people with peace. This is a very interesting way to end this psalm because this psalm is very noisy. It is filled with thunder, hurricane force wind, snapping branches, the rumbling of mountains, the cry of glory. It is a very loud and crazy psalm. And yet in the end, the psalmist asks the Lord of glory for peace. David knows that the same God who empowers the storm also has the power to calm the storm. Again, this was true in the days of Noah when God relented of the rain. It was true in the day, days of David, and it is true today. We see a picture of this in Mark chapter 4. When Jesus and his disciples get in the boat, and they head to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and we read that a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. Could you imagine being out on the Bay of Green Bay in a fishing boat with 12 other guys, no life jackets, and the wind is so strong that waves are crashing into the boat? I'm guessing there's not a whole lot of peace in that boat, except for one person. It continues and says, and they woke uh, sorry, but Jesus was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And so Jesus was at peace, even though there was this raging storm. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And Jesus awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Do you know what Jesus said to the sea? What he said to the wind? He didn't say stop. He said, Peace. Peace. Be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And the disciples said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and sea obey him? You see, the God who has the power to start the storm has the power to stop the storm. The God who stopped the raging storm in the Sea of Galilee has the power to stop the raging storm inside you and inside me. Whether that storm is a storm of anger and bitterness, a storm of anxiety and fear, or a storm of temptations, in trial, David knows there is only one source of the strength that we need to live for God's glory. You see, the Lord who reigns over the thunderstorm, who reigned over the flood of judgment in the days of Noah, who reigns over all creation, is the same Lord who came down into the storm of his creation. It is Jesus, the voice of God, the word of God made flesh, who at the cross took on the storm of God's judgment upon humanity. Christ died on the cross for our sin to take on the flood of judgment that we deserve, but then rose again to give us newness of life and to bring us peace with God. Do you remember what the angels said when Jesus was born? They sang glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. You see, this is the glory of God, that God has come to bring a peculiar peace through Jesus Christ. Let me ask you, friends, do you know this peace, this peace of God that transcends all understanding, a peace with God? You see, Jesus was 
the Prince of Peace, but he was also the price of peace to bring us peace with an awesome and glorious God. And so if you have not yet trusted in Christ for your salvation, but also for your peace, I exhort you to do so today. And so if we want to grow our all of God, we must ascribe glory to God and worship. We must all over the glory of God in all of creation, but we must ask also for the glory of God to fill us with his strength and his peace. Let me end with this. As I mentioned in the beginning of the sermon, as a teenager, I lost my awe of thunderstorms. I'm sorry, of, of fireworks. Probably thunderstorms too, but I lost my awe of fireworks. Uh, they actually became boring to me, and I really didn't have any interest in attending them. But then something happened. We had kids. And, and when the kids were old enough that it wouldn't completely freak them out, we started to take them to fireworks over 4th of July. And, and I don't know about you, but one of the most wonderful things is to observe a child the first time they see fireworks. You know, one of the gifts that children are to us is they help our awe grow over things that are wonderfully splendid that we pass by every single day. But I know as I saw my kids ooh and awe over the, the explosion and the color of the fireworks and the bigness of the fireworks, it couldn't help but grow the awe inside of me once again towards these fireworks. Now, fireworks are not that big of a deal, but the awe of God is everything. Maybe you have lost your awe of God. My hope and prayer is that for you and me, that David's awe over the glory of God in Psalm 29 would renew and swell our awe of God today so that we might ascribe to God the glory that he is due. Let me end with just a verse from Hebrews chapter 12. It says, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship. And this is what he says is acceptable worship. With reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you confessing that we have often become complacent to your majesty, to your glory. And so, Lord, we come today asking you for strength, strength to see your beauty and majesty in all that you have created, to ascribe to you the glory that is due you. We pray, God, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and empower us to praise you, to worship you, to enjoy you, and to be in all of you throughout the rest of our life and for all eternity. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.